0: You have landed on the one and only podcast where you'll learn about the people and places that inspire life changing travel. This
1: is Dramatic Travels.
0: Every student deserves a chance to expand his or her global education, regardless of socioeconomic status. I believe this to be true, and so does FLIGHT. FLIGHT is a nonprofit organization that empowers students in underserved communities through transformative travel experiences. I encourage you to learn more about flight at DramaticTravels.com forward slash flight. Flight is F-L-Y-T-E, so that's DramaticTravels.com forward slash flight. My featured guest on this episode of the Dramatic Travels podcast is Nicole Mellencon, the creator of ThirdEyeMom.com. And my friends, before I get into my chat with Nicole, I need to let you know that the audio quality on my side of this interview is not up to par. Quite frankly, I blew it. Uh, on the technology side of this podcast. This was my very first podcast interview ever, and I just didn't get the audio right. I need to let you know that so you know that in the future, this is not the kind of audio quality that you can expect from the Dramatic Travels podcast. I actually considered not releasing this episode and begging Nicole to re-record it with me, but ultimately, I decided to release it, and here it is in all its glory. This was a learning experience for me. I learned a nice lesson the hard way, but we had a great conversation and fortunately the audio issues are only on my side of the interview. Nicole sounds great and she does the majority of the talking, which is awesome. So here we are, Nicole Melancon from thirdeyemom.com. Enjoy. Nicole is a freelance journalist, blogger, and social good advocate living in Minneapolis, Minnesota with her husband and two children. Nicole began her blog, Third Eye Mom, in 2010 after a life-changing trip to Nepal. Nicole's social good work has taken her to many exciting destinations, such as Haiti, India, Ethiopia, Nicaragua, and Tanzania, where she climbed Kilimanjaro along with the non-profit organization Solar Sisters. Nicole just completed her 13th trip with her father, who just turned 75. Together, they have been to Iceland, Argentina, Bolivia, Peru, Australia, Romania, China, Chile, Ireland, South Africa, and many visits to Europe. Nicole, hello. Did I miss anything in that intro?
1: Hi, thanks. That was awesome. You got me all excited. Um, I guess the only thing is, and we're going to get into this more, is that I have two kids. And they are 11 and 13, and it is my dream in life to really get them into traveling. We haven't done a lot of international travel, but we've traveled a lot through the U.S. And I'm hoping I can instill a passion in my children and other um, parents to bring their children around the world as well.
0: Well, that is wonderful. I love to hear that. I feel like we're just brother and sister from uh, another Another mother, father, because that's exactly where I'm. I feel like we're in a really similar situation in our lives. I have two kids as well. How old are your kids?
1: So mine are 11 and 13. 11 so I feel 13. like it's finally the perfect age to start bringing them. What about you?
0: Mine are quite a bit younger. I'm at four and two. Oh, and, so they're still
1: so little.
0: Yep, little. But you know what? I'm feeling. I'm, I'm feeling braver and braver every day that I just want to get them out there, and you know, I'd say to heck with. Um, the heck with whatever nonsense might come with it. I feel like the upside is far outweighs the downside and that when the years mm-hmm. go by, I'm going to forget all the little, the little goofy things that happen when you travel with kids. Oh yeah. <laughs> so on your blog, third eye mom, mm-hmm. right at the top of your about page, there's a quote and I want to just, I want to ask you about it. I want to ask you what it means to you. It's a quote from Mark Twain it says 20 years from now, you will be more disappointed by the things you didn't do than by the ones you did do. So throw off the bow lines, sail away from the safe harbor, catch the trade winds in your sails, explore, dream, and discover. Nicole, what safe harbor should we all escape from?
1: I think just our own comfort level. Um, I live a very routine, scheduled life at home. And I've always been like that. I make to-do lists. I always drive the same way down the roads. I feel like I don't take a lot of chances, which drives me crazy in my own hometown. However, when I get out of my comfort zone and I say, okay, I'm just going to go on this trip and I go somewhere that might be somewhere a little bit that makes me a little nervous. I, I just go for it. And I think. Once I do that, every time I go on these trips, I learn so much about myself and I grow so much as a person that that's kind of what I mean. Like I don't want to just sit on the couch and never do anything and not take chances because you only have one life to live. And I don't want to be sitting there going, looking at my passport someday going, why didn't I go here? Why didn't I do this trip? Because I feel like that's what it's all about.
0: You don't want to be staring at blank passport pages. Nope. Absolutely (laughs) absolutely not. Well, well, thanks for, thanks for getting into that. That was not something I necessarily, uh, would do in every interview. I just, I just was drawn to that quote and I really wanted to talk to you about it because it was obviously important to you enough. If you're going to put it on the top of your about page on your blog, third eye mom, Nicole, what is your earliest travel memory? And can you, if you can describe the emotions that made that, uh, that memory. So, or made that experience so memorable.
1: Okay, so my earliest travel memory is my parents are who really got me inspired into traveling because they both travel a lot. My dad was in the Navy. They eloped to Europe, and so they're both very adventurous people, and when I was probably about six years old, somewhere around there, I was painfully shy, which is hilarious because I'm pretty social right now (laughs) in my um, older years. But my parents, we all got in that wood paneled station wagon and we drove from Minnesota. And we do this every Christmas, Minnesota, all the way down to Harlingen, Texas, which is on the border of Texas and Mexico. And that's where my grandparents live. But then we took it further and we drove all the way into Mexico. And this is like in the 1970s in our station wagon. And we went to some Mexican resort. Where there's absolutely nobody spoke English and no none of the children had ever seen anybody that looked like me. I had that toe head, white blonde hair, the blue eyes, painfully shy six-year-old. We pull in and I stand out there and the kids just all ran up to me and they're like touching me, touching my hair, my skin. And it was just I mean, I can still picture that memory today. It was just so surreal to be like somewhere like that where i felt different and i wasn't like the other kids and they're speaking another language and it just kind of like made me feel like this excitement about wanting to learn more about who these people are
0: any anxiety mixed in with that excitement at six Um, years old maybe you're not quite at that point yet
1: I don't really remember much, but it's kind of like that earliest travel memory. Like I can close my eyes and I can picture like what the place looked like. And it's just, I don't know, it's kind of strange. I don't remember a lot of things from six years old. And another thing I remember too is when we did the drive there, what really impacted me was looking outside the window and literally seeing like the way people lived on the edge of the road and like little tarps and like just the poverty. I just remember as a kid at six years old, seeing that it just blew me away.
0: That's remarkable. And that's, that's really one of the themes. Uh, One of the reasons I started this podcast is just that whole idea that when you have those big, strong, emotional memories that when you're six years old, you can close your eyes and go back there. Those are the, those are those impactful moments that, One, we need to have more of as adults, but that we need to really encourage our children to step out and and have Mm -hmm. those experiences, the things that they're going to take with them, you know, when they're our age, looking back. And, you know, when my two year old daughter's on a podcast talking to somebody, they can she can tell a story about my daddy took me to, you know, such and such. And oh, my God, I couldn't believe it. I can close my eyes and I'm back there. Mm -hmm. So so that's an experience. Can you name a specific person who inspired you to travel?
1: Well, I think I mentioned earlier that um, both my parents are very into travel, but I think the most of all really is my, my father, because he's always been the one who's, I'm like a mini, mini me to my dad or something, because he always wants to move. He always wants to travel. And I just grew up with that energy and excitement. Like he and my mom would take these trips and sometimes they'd bring us, not always. And we'd just stay home with my grandparents. But I just remember, like, they'd come home, they'd tell me about the trip, they'd show me the pictures. And then when we were lucky, they would bring us. And I mean, ever since I was little, like, travel is just always a part of our life. It wasn't that we had a ton of money growing up. I think what it was is that my parents were so in, they loved travel so much that they would just, we'd take budget trips, we'd drive, like I said, we'd drive to Mexico, we drove to Canada, we drove all the way to Disneyland. And then... By the time I got older, we spent three days in the Dallas airport with the three of us kids getting bumped so many times to make enough money to fly our whole family to Europe for free.
0: Oh my goodness. Your father (laughs) and I would get along so well. I've never made it to three days. I've made it. I've done one full day in the Fort Lauderdale airport, but three days. I got a bow to that. Well done. Well done. So would you so tell me about how that, how would that feel when the folks are, when they're not taking you, when you know how you, you kind of know what's out there now and they're leaving the door, they're saying, Nicole, we're out of here. How are you feeling when they're, when they're leaving?
1: Well, when I was little, um, I think it, I was very, cl- I'm always very close to my parents. So I was a little bit, oh, I wish I could go, but still I had either set my grandparents would come and stay with us. And so it was really special to have that time with my grandparents. I really got to know them because every year um, one set would come for one week and the other set would come for another. And so I got built a very close relationship with them. So I don't think I really felt at that point, I wish I was going.
0: Well, and speaking from personal experience, spending a week with your grandparents is kind of like a vacation, even if you're in your own house, if your grandparents were anything like mine.
1: Oh yeah. My grandmother would make me all these meals from scratch and then she'd spoil me. And then my mom would always come back with like a little trinket or something like a doll usually was what I liked. So I had this collection of dolls from all over the world that she'd bring me back. And then I still have them today and I give them to my own daughter. So
0: that is, that is so special. And I, I'm really confident you're going to pass that on to your kids. Cause I can just feel that, you know, that passion coming from me from 2000 miles away through cyberspace from Minneapolis to Sacramento. So let's turn, uh, let's turn the corner just a little bit. And if you can describe a low moment from your travel, something that, something that rocked you, something, something happened that was not great. If you could describe that situation and tell me what you learned from it.
1: Well, I think the more you travel, especially off the beaten path travel, like to the developing world, the more likely you are to have these experiences which might be hard or low moments of travel, yet those are the ones I always find that I grow the most from, and I think that's why I become more interested in going to more remote places. Um, probably the first, this is the one that comes to mind, even though I have many, but I think um, for many years, I was a French major. So I lived in France twice, and then I was obsessed with Europe because it seemed um, like a safe place, an easy place. A lot of Americans feel comfortable there and safe. So I focused a lot on using my the money that I save from working so I could go to different countries in Europe. Then right after September 11th, 11th, my father and I decided to like branch out and do something a little different, which was the first time I had really gone anywhere outside of um, the developing world so we went to Peru and this was I don't know long time ago I guess right after September 11th so I was already a little bit worried about the trip just because of everything that just happened like a month ago but we got on the plane flew to Peru and before I went I remember what I usually try to do is I try to read the travel government um, safety site just to see what their warnings are but sometimes I've actually stopped doing that now because otherwise you probably would never leave your home because it sounds like everything terrible can happen to you. But it actually did say that what happened to me could happen in there, happen in Peru. So I printed out the form, read it like a month before I went and I had it in my suitcase. So we land at the airport and we were a little bit naive. Like now what I, I do a lot is I have someone that I trust from a hotel Scheduled to pick me up. So we always have a driver. But this time, like I said, we were naive. So we just went out to the taxi line. We were tired, flew all night, got in the cab and got near, got started driving. My dad sat in front and I sat back by myself with my um, backpack there. And about halfway to our hotel, we stopped at a stoplight. And all of a sudden, I just felt glass come right at me. And then I just saw this hand go in grabbed my backpack and the person had a mask on and then they just took off. So it was actually pretty terrifying. I've never been mugged before, especially outside of um inside of a taxi cab right after I landed into a, con- a new country.
0: And so when I, you had in your bag, a piece of paper warning you about that exact thing. Exactly. It said people, there are masked men that will reach yeah. their hand and break glass into a car and take your belongings.
1: Yeah, it so said there's a setup at the airport and to be careful that it happens exactly on that road and that basically they, they watch you and they saw that I got in the back, they followed us and waited till they got that moment and then did it. So that was a very, um, it just felt very uncomfortable. I didn't feel safe. It was not a good introduction to the country <laughs> and I couldn't sleep the entire night. I was just so freaked out by it. And I think um, what it really taught me and what I now, too, when I travel, especially to like Africa or other developed, like I was in Haiti, it just showed me um, just the desperation that people have that they feel that they have to do do this. And it actually, instead of being upset and scared, it brought empathy to me, realizing that, I mean, it's just people don't have anything near what we have here in the U.S. I mean, a lot of people in some of these countries don't even have electricity, running water, places I've been to. And I think it was just such a big eye-opening moment for me.
0: Well, and it should be. And that, I think, generally speaking, I think your reaction is out of the norm. I feel like that would would have caused the average person to withdraw more and to come back with, rather than empathy, to come back with more of a condemnation of, of the place you just visited. I, I hear that. I hear that quite a bit, you know, talking to people that visit other countries and they say, oh, this country is so dirty or the people or this or the the water that rather than where you can where people will come back with more empathy and feeling more as of a world citizen rather than coming back with the feeling like I need to isolate myself more from the world. So I really appreciate you sharing that story and not only is this the story, but what you learned from it, because obviously it impacted you greatly maybe not as much as that trip to Mexico when you were six, but almost as if you were there as you were just, you're telling that story. It was really, really impactful. So now we can put the the bad aside and let's look at the good. What is one of your most, if not your very most inspirational travel moments and how did that change you?
1: Oh, good question. Well, I have to always use this moment because I've had many. So I feel very blessed to have traveled so much. And, um, Probably by far the most impactful moment was that trip to Nepal that started my blog, changed my entire life. Um, basically, this is kind of a long story, but I was in corporate America for a number of years, but I never really fell into something that I enjoyed. I was just working to pay the bills, and I just felt really just kind of bummed out because it really wasn't my dream. And finally, I decided my husband and I every year were like, OK, maybe we should have children. We're starting to get up there. And we're like, oh, just one more trip, one more trip, because we both love to travel so much. And so we just kept putting it off, kept putting it off. And finally, we decided to have kids. And luckily, we were able to have them with no hitch. So I had the kids. And my mom always had said to me, just, you know, I will offer you the same thing that my parents did for us um every year you can take one week and i will come and watch your kids and i was like wow i I was pretty surprised that she wanted to do this so my dad and i started going on some trips together and she would come and stay with my husband and help out with the kids and then um for my 39th birthday and my father's 69th this was like a big moment for us
0: so you realize though through this podcast we can now do the math based oh, on yeah. how old your dad was on your last trip and figure yeah. out how old you are. But I am not going to say it.
1: <laughs> 46. Oh, you I...
0: didn't have to do that. Oh, Pardon me. Okay. I totally interrupted your story. Everybody I'm a numbers always... guy. And immediately I started doing the math in my head. I am so sorry for interrupting you, Nicole, please continue.
1: <laughs> oh, that's okay. The The trick is all that. I look 10 years younger. Apparently that's what everybody says.
0: I'll vouch for but that.
1: Anyways. um, So we might, We love hiking. The Peru trip was like kind of a major hike. We have done some other hiking. And my dad saw this article in the New York Times about the Annapurna Trek in Nepal. And he's like, should we do this? Should we do this? And it felt, again, when I was talking about that comfort zone, that felt very out of my comfort zone to like leave a, I think they were, how old were they? Four and six-year-old child for almost three weeks with my mother-in-law and then my husband And then fly all the way to Nepal, hike in this unknown place, fly crazy little planes that crash a lot, which unfortunately I had to read about. So I was very. But you didn't carry
0: that literature in your bag, did you?
1: No. So I was very um, nervous about this trip, but we did it, and it was by far the most incredible trip I've ever taken. Um, Before doing the trip. I just started to think about it. I'm like, my friends are like, okay, you're a stay-at-home mom and you're like going trucking in Nepal. And then I started feeling realizing like, this is crazy. Like after Peru too, I mean, the guides there, they can't even leave their country. I mean, they make like a thousand dollars a year. And here I am, a stay-at-home mom going in Nepal. I got to do something. I have to give back. So I started like reading these books and I read one called Half the Sky by Nicholas Kristoff, a New York Times columnist. And the book changed my life. It talked about just how ordinary people, just like me, could do things to give back and make a difference. So before I went, I decided, okay, I'm not going to just go there. I'm going to go there, and I'm going to give something in return. So I started fundraising. I was doing, like, babysitting gigs for with my kids' friends and um, lemonade stands, garage sales, just all kinds of stuff. And I was able to raise enough money to open up a reading center in Nepal. Before I went on the trip. And then when I went on the trip, um, it was just amazing. Like I've never out of my travel experiences done anything like this. It was me, my dad, and then we had only two people with us, two guides, and they're both Nepali. And for two weeks, we trekked through all these incredible villages that you can only reach by foot. And it was just almost like a spiritual feeling. I'm not very religious, but it was just so absolutely beautiful. And uh, this trip that I got back and I decided I'm going to become the third eye mom. Like when I landed in Nepal, they put a third eye on me and had been writing journals. And I decided, you know what, why don't I write about this trip? So I just started my blog and that was seven years ago. And if I hadn't gone on that trip, I never would have gotten into the social good work advocacy and become a blogger. So it's kind of a long answer. Sorry.
0: <laughs> no apologies necessary. But folks listening, think of, consider where that all started. She stepped outside of her comfort zone. She did something she was afraid to do and something that most people don't do. But guess what? That was the beginning That is when Nicole became the third eye mom seven, eight years ago now. And obviously your life is not the, the, what it, what it would have been had you not taken that trip. Fair to say?
1: Yes. It's changed my life.
0: A trip. She stepped out of of her comfort zone. A trip say changed her life. Take that with you. Chew on it for a minute. It's a big deal. Thanks for sharing that story, Nicole. Appreciate it. So let's move on to trips with your kids. So why don't you just, as briefly or non-briefly, tell me about your uh, best trip with your kids, the trip that you took that had the most impact on them, in your opinion.
1: Okay. Well, we've traveled a lot because our family's spread out over the U.S. So they've been to a lot of places throughout the U.S. and been on a lot of planes. But we finally decided to take them on a a trip out to another country. Last April, we went to Costa Rica. And I had been a couple times before, so I I already knew that that would be a really good place to bring the kids. And um, what I loved about this trip and why it was a special trip is um, I'm not one to follow, like, just go stay at a resort or an all-inclusive. That's just not the way I travel. I'm very into sustainable travel, local travel. Like, I want to experience what a country is like through the people and So on this trip, we planned the whole thing ourselves, and um, I think probably one of the moments that was, I mean, there were a lot of moments that were, I think, made a big impact on my kids, but probably one of the top moments is that we stayed at a farm way up by a volcano, and nobody at the farm, it was like a local Costa Rican family, nobody spoke English. And it was just like one of those crazy cultural immersion experiences, like just staying at this place by the volcano and hiking with in the monk with the monkeys and eating. They would cook us breakfast and we'd go over there. And then I looked out the window and then I see my daughter who was 10 at the time, like up in the jungle playing with these girls and they're all like speaking. They're all speaking to her in Spanish. She has no idea what they're saying, but they're all playing together. And it was just so cool to see that moment. And I think besides like just the moment of like the cultural interaction is that we did a lot of things to get them out of their comfort zone. My son had never ridden a horse before. We went horseback riding. We um, did zip lining, waterfall repelling. We did all these things that are just not in our comfort zone and things that we had never done before. And it just ended up being by far like the favorite trip we've ever had as a family. Lots of laughs and memories.
0: That's incredible. And I don't ever want to hear you call call yourself a boring day-to-day routine mom again after the things you just told me you did with your kids, <laughs> zip lining, waterfall repelling. That's not what ordinary ordinary moms do. So please give yourself some credit. I hate to see you shortchange yourself. You're, uh, okay. you're- oh,
1: I forgot to mention we also did walked through some guy's farm and went water tubing down a river. And this would never be legal in the U.S. We put helmets on, carried our inner tubes, went down the river and it was filled littered with boulders. And here it is. My kids are going in front of me. Like they're trying to maneuver on the boulders without flipping over. And I'm like thinking, this is crazy. This would not be legal in the U.S. But we survived. And it was really fun.
0: (laughs) Many illegal things often are, Nicole. (laughs) Well, okay. So let's talk about you're a blogger. So obviously you've got plenty of experience in capturing your trips through your words, through your blog. What Mm -hmm. if, please share with that, with our listeners, what do you think is the most meaningful method of capturing travel memories, whether it's a journal, uh, social media, and do you have any advice on how to uh, use that method effectively?
1: Okay. Well, the one thing that I do is I take an insane amount of pictures (laughs) And one thing that's helped me is, um, I like to take a lot of notes and for instance, right now I'm writing out my trip to Chile. That was in November. And then what happens is you get busy and it takes a long time to write up a trip. And then I go and I grab like my notebook and then I'm so angry that I don't have all the notes and then I have to do a lot of research. So that's one thing I would do better, but the one thing that I do that's been really effective is with my camera. Like before, I start taking pictures throughout a day. Like I'll take a picture of like a a road sign, a street sign, a building. I'll take a picture of the park, so I remember exactly where those pictures are taken. And um, it also helps jog my memory. Like it's kind of like a way of of taking notes,
0: photographic I, notes.
1: Yeah, so I do that. I try to do that a lot because otherwise, you might, like I said, go back to your pictures and it's months later, and you're like. You have 3,000, you can't remember where they were. So that's one tool I use. And also, like I said, either I'm a handwritten journal, and I've been actually using my phone a lot because a lot of times if I'm on a tour, what I'll do, instead of taking out my journals, I'll take my phone and I'll open up a note, and then I just start writing everything down on there. So I think taking notes is probably by far the most important thing. Everyone can, especially myself, can do better at it because I wish I could capture. Someone said to write down the five senses when you get to a place, and that really helps. Like if you can write, okay, what do I smell here? What do I see? What do I feel? So those are things that I, those are tools I use. But it does get hard because as a blogger, I don't want to, you can sometimes miss out on an experience if you're just taking so many notes and so many pictures, you're not really present. So um, finding the right balance, I think, is important.
0: It's remarkable, the, the power of just a quick note, a few words written with your own hand, pen on paper, with how that can jog your memory. Even several months later, you remember what you were doing, where you were, and suddenly those things that you thought, those memories you thought were gone, suddenly come flooding back. I actually have three blog posts on on DramaticTravels.com, how to use your, using your senses to capture your travel memories, ears, or hearing, smell, and then journaling or writing, actually writing postcards was, was the trick I used. Just writing a few notes down on a postcard, mailing it home to myself that when I get home, get open my mailbox, as soon as I pick up that postcard, I re- I remember exactly where I was, what I was doing the moment that I had wrote those, those few words and they don't even have to be anything really that meaningful. Just a couple mm-hmm. of words or a, even a joke or some silly little, little story, something. And it's amazing. The memories just come flooding back and don't underestimate your senses people Mm -hmm. thank you so much and also
1: i think too to write down another thing that's really important is to write down people's names because it's nice to personalize a post and say my guide nico who's from here and then write down a few things he says as well as a few quotes because that just makes a story more fascinating to readers i think
0: oh without question here's a picture of my guide or here's a picture of my guide nico and he's a Father, He does this. He has two kids. The it's, it, it. it changes the game uh, from the reader's perspective. And I'm guessing that's why your blog is as successful as it is because you can engage readers with those personal stories. So I'm going to step aside here for just a minute and we're going to, going to thank one of our nonprofit partners. And then we're going to get right back into a question involving romance. Stay with us. Every student deserves a chance to expand his or her global education, regardless of socioeconomic status. I believe this to be true, and so does Flight. Flight is a nonprofit organization that empowers students in underserved communities through transformative travel experiences. Flight was founded in 2015 by travel author and blogger Matthew Kepnes, better known as Nomadic Matt. Flight works with students in underserved communities to promote the benefits of travel, education, and cultural awareness through the creation, funding, and management of overseas trips. Since 2015, Flight has sent three groups of students to Mexico, Cuba, and Ecuador, and they're in the process of selecting their next school partner for a trip this coming summer. Flight was built with the support of donors who believe that travel can positively change the trajectory of one's life and create more well-informed global citizens. I encourage you to visit DramaticTravels.com forward slash flight. There you can find links to join the flight community and donate to this fantastic organization. Now flight is spelled F-L-Y-T-E. So that address again is DramaticTravels.com forward slash F-L-Y-T-E. That's DramaticTravels.com forward slash flight. If you have big travel dreams for yourself and for your family, but you don't know quite how to make them come true, then you definitely want to join me on a free upcoming live webinar where I'm going to dive deep into seven specific things you can do to make your family travel dreams take flight. To reserve your spot in this free live webinar, head over to DramaticTravels.com webinar. Again, that's DramaticTravels.com webinar. Right, we're back with Nicole Melanchon, and thank you so much again, Nicole, for being with us today. We really appreciate it. You've been enlightening us to no end so far, but now we're going to get into it big. You think we've gone deep so far? We can't get oh, into yeah. drama without talking romance, Nicole. Do you have a romance story to share?
1: Of course, I have. Yes. <laughs> so, um, all right. I met my husband in college at University of Wisconsin Madison. And when we started dating, he knew that I had studied abroad my junior year in France in Paris. Of course, I have to pick the most romantic city ever because that was the first place my parents brought me to when I was 13. And I got off the, off the metro. I took one look at, at the Champs-Élysées and I said, I am going to live here someday. I'm going to start studying French. And I did. took French from 13 on all the way through college, majored in it went and lived there um, so you can imagine when my husband and I decided to go to Europe for the first time together as a couple and this was before we we're married at 24 how excited I was he had never been to Europe and I could hardly wait to show him Paris the city that had all this meaning to me so we flew over there and I kept waiting and waiting for the moment waiting we're at the Eiffel Tower didn't happen we're here. It didn't happen. At the park, we're looking at the city of love and light at night. Didn't happen. Get back on the plane, fly home. My mom decided she was sick of hanging on to my engagement gifts and gave them to me anyways. So a year later, we go on another trip. So by this time, we've been together, and I knew we'd get married, but he was in graduate school, finishing up his MBA and working 80 hours a week, that kind of stuff. So maybe there just wasn't going to be time for this. So we, this time we go to Germany, we're walking around and there's all these romantic spots. And I kept thinking, well, maybe it'll happen, but I didn't have my hopes up. So we decided to even follow the romantic road all the way and check out the castles. And then we end up at, in uh, Schwangau and we're going to go see new Schwanstein, which is now Ludwig's beautiful Cinderella-esque castle. And it's pouring rain that morning. I was so grumpy. I'm like, this is terrible. This is just going to be horrible. Like, why do we have to do this? And I'll never forget the moment we get to the bottom. We're going to ride up to the castle in a horse and carriage. And we get in, and I'm still, like, being grumpy. And the lady turns over and looks at me, and she goes, when life gives you lemons, make lemonade. And I'm like, So we ride up to the castle, tour it. And then my husband's like, he had, of course, researched this. He's like, well, why don't we just hike up here? I think there's a cool hike up here. And I'm I'm thinking, is there going to be thunder? Are there going to be bears? Whatever. I don't know. And then all of a sudden I turn over and he's down on one knee and he proposes to me with the view of the castle in the back. Yeah. So I would say. But you're still grumpy after that. I was not grumpy. This was the day before cell phones and. Really not even, I don't know, the internet was just getting out. So we were so excited. The next day we spent like $200 calling all our friends and family at home, telling them the good news. But.
0: Yeah, you should have called them collect. They wouldn't mind.
1: Yeah. So that was my story. I thought it was cool. And guess what? This summer, we are bringing our kids to New Schwanstein.
0: Way to punctuate that story, Nicole. Thank, that, what a story. <laughs> Romance, grumpiness, thunderstorms. You really brought it. Awesome. Okay. Now we're going to move on. Now that we can take a deep breath and recompose ourselves after Nicole's romance story. I'd love for you to share with us something from your travel related business. In this case, your blog or something else, maybe something we don't even know about. Something you want to share, something you're excited about right now to share with our audience.
1: Um, I'm excited because I just found out that in one month I'm going to Kenya. On a blogging trip as part of a team um, with LifeStraw to deliver um, water supplies to schools, they're delivering their one millionth um, life-saving water system, and I get to be a part of it as a storyteller. And I'm really excited. I love being out in the field and doing that kind of work because it combines my passion for travel with also making a difference.
0: Hey, explain to the, explain to my listeners what a blogging trip is exactly.
1: Okay, a blogging trip well, there's um is normally they come in all different levels and you either can get invited, you can apply. There's all different types of trips. For this one I applied and basically it means part part or all of a trip is sponsored by the de- either the destination, the company or the nonprofit and then they take you along as a storyteller and then for each like um For the trips, it really depends on who you're going with and what they want. But you have a certain set of deliverables that you are going to produce for them. So it could be social media posts. You could do blog posts, um, reporting posts, you name it. And the ones I've gone on before, usually what I end up doing is I write a blog post day by day. takes tons of pictures. And then when I get back, I write out the entire thing just to tell people about either the program, the country, and raise awareness.
0: So what kind of posts can we expect to see from your upcoming trip to Kenya so we can follow you on your journey?
1: Oh, you'll see a ton of them. I'm going to put down the day by day event, like everything I do. So usually depending on what type of trip it is, I will either write one blog post per day or one or multiple per day if there are different events. It just kind of depends. But I'll probably tell the entire story of what I've done for the entire week while I was there.
0: Excellent. And I want everyone out there, please follow Nicole on our trip to Kenya on third Nicole, what's one specific lesson or skill you've learned from traveling that helps in your everyday life. And can you describe a specific instance where you applied that lesson?
1: Um, I think this is the one that for me, it keeps ringing in um, growing up in America. And before you really get out of Um, just kind of like, I feel like sometimes I live in a bubble middle class and I know there's a lot of people here that don't, even at my children's school, they have a lot of children that have maybe one parent. They might, um, not have money for lunch and they might live in a totally different economic situation than I do. However, when I've gone to places like Africa and Haiti, I mean, where people are dying from preventable causes, they don't have running water, They might not even, you know, have electricity. I think the biggest thing I've learned is gratitude. Because a lot of times here, and it's always in your face and it drives me crazy, just this um, capitalistic machine. And that's always telling you that you need to have stuff. You need to have more. You need to have a big house. You have to have a TV. You have to have the latest cell phone. All this stuff. And it's easy to get caught up in that, but the minute, and that's, I think, why I love traveling so much to off the beaten places, because the minute you get out and get away from all that, you just realize how grateful you are as a human to be able to go to these places. So many people can never even leave their own city ever in their entire life. And I think that's the biggest thing I've learned is no matter how grumpy my day is, I can remember in the hotel in Ethiopia, looking out and seeing a giant slum and people like—I mean—that were left to die on the streets. I mean, so I think that's the most important thing, and I have to remind myself of that a lot. Like if I start complaining, I just pull myself back together, Nicole.
0: Pull it together and get back out there. Mm-hmm. So, Nicole, can you please share? Uh, you, you mentioned one book earlier, and if that's the one, you can you can reuse that answer if you like. Oh, okay. But yeah. please recommend. A book, a travel-related book. It can be fiction, a nonfiction, or a guidebook.
1: Okay. Um, another thing I I really like to do is if I'm going to a new country, I always get I get my uh, I get my Lonely Planet, and for some reason, Lonely Planet seems to be my favorite because I think because it gives you a lot of like the history of a place in the back. You can read about the geography. So I want to learn as much as I can. And then they also always have a section on literature. So it's about everything in a nutshell, like a quick synopsis of a country. And then what I do is I use The Lonely Planet to see who the recommended authors are. And I try to grab a few books on each country to read about it that are normally, um, normally I like to do fiction, but also nonfiction And that's just kind of what I like to do. There's not like a specific book because I love to read so much. I I read as much as I possibly can. So I hope that answers your
0: question. It does. And listeners, don't underestimate the power of fiction for travel inspiration. It's not all about guidebooks. There's a lot of good ones out there, but don't forget the fiction. So Mm -hmm. Nicole, can you share a resource, a gadget or a tool, something that you use regularly that makes every trip better?
1: All right, a new, this is, it's not even a new tool. So it's actually a little bit, I should say, embarrassing (laughs) that I just discovered this. But um, I use it a lot, but I haven't used it, I guess, the way I'm using it. Um, Recently, when we were in California, I always had my cell phone with me, and um, I got an unlocked phone. So even when I'm traveling now, I can just get a SIM card. That was like a really important thing. So I can do this wherever I go now. But um, when we were in California, we were staying kind of near Malibu and L.A. It was so crowded at all the attractions that we had planned to do with the kids. We were all just kind of getting like grumpy and stressed out being in all the traffic. So what I did is I took out my phone and I put in where our hotel was on Google Maps and then I like started um, zooming in and out. And then I was finding all the parks, national parks and the state beaches that were around there that weren't my guidebook. Then I'd zoom in, then I'd go over to Google and I'd do a quick search to see what it has. So I was able to find like four different little parks and state parks and hikes that I never probably would have found if I didn't do it that way. Does that make
0: sense? Oh, that, that, that absolutely makes sense. And never yeah. underestimate those old tools that you're just read just finally discovering. It's never too late, is it, Nicole? Nope. Okay, we're almost done here. <laughs> Got a couple of rapid fire ones, and these are the ones if you if you missed the entire interview, and these are the only two things you're gonna listen to, which really wouldn't happen on a podcast. I hope not. <laughs> no, I'm gonna fast forward straight to the end. Nicole, can okay. you share a piece of advice <laughs> for parents? hoping to inspire their children to travel.
1: Okay, the biggest piece of advice I can give is go somewhere. If you're going to first do a trip, pick somewhere that that you know is for the kids and that the kids will like and not for you. There are so many places that I personally would love but to go, but I know, for instance, they're not going to want to hike long hours. They're not going to go somewhere maybe right away on the first trip where they're going to get stomach sickness instead um like when we planned our Costa Rica trip of course I'd love to bring them to Europe I want to show them where I lived abroad and all that but when I stopped and thought about it I'm like wait a minute where would they want to go first what would be the best for them and Costa Rica came up because it had all the things that children would like. And I think regardless of the age, there's so many outdoor activities, there's zip lines, there's pools, there's swimming, there's beaches, there's animals. So I knew that picking the place based on that, how it would fit in with kids is, was a really good idea versus like picking somewhere that might not have as much as they like. So,
0: and What is one piece my, of wisdom or advice I'm going to start over because I think I talked over you there. What is one piece of wisdom or advice you would share with your 13-year-old self, if you could?
1: Well, that's hard because actually 13 was when I went on that fateful trip to Paris. The first time I went to Europe, first time overseas flight, and I got off and I looked to Paris. I said, wait a minute, this is amazing. I'm going to live here someday. And I did. So I think maybe just going with it, go for it, follow your dreams, never give up. Especially at that year of 13, I had braces. I was very awkward and middle school is not very fun for me, but I got through it and never quit following your dreams.
0: Nicole, if my my listeners want to get in touch with you, what's the best way?
1: Probably at my blog, com. I mean, I have contact information on there as well, but they can also follow me on Twitter at third eye mom or on Instagram at third eye mom, And of course, my Facebook page is third eye mom. And I always respond. I love helping people. It's been great knowing that people have been inspired by my posts and I've helped people if they're going somewhere and they have questions, I answer them. That's kind of why I do this. It's a labor of love. I'm not doing it for money. I do it because I hope to inspire people.
0: It's a labor of love for the Third Eye Mom. And you definitely inspired me, Nicole. And I hope you inspired my audience as well. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for giving us this time on this beautiful Friday morning in California, Friday afternoon in Minnesota. Have a wonderful, wonderful day. And we really appreciate it. We'll be talking to you soon, guys. Head over to Third Eye Mom. Check out Nicole. Read her stuff. It's fantastic. She has a wonderful blog. She's great to follow on social media, Instagram, Twitter. You know where to go. Third Eye Mom. Thanks, Nicole. Have a good one. Bye. Thanks. (laughs) Thank you, my friends, for joining me on this episode of the Dramatic Travels podcast. It's time to head over to DramaticTravels.com, and I'd love for you to subscribe to the mailing list. Got a free gift waiting for you when you do. Aaron Schlein signing off for today. And remember, my friends, your emotional memories are your most powerful memories. So put some emotion in your motion.